right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. We had a great uh, conversation just a few minutes ago with Colin Morikawa. Uh, it's been almost exactly two years. We, we had him on Players Week two years ago. Life's changed a lot since then. We get into all that. But uh, great, great conversation with him on how his life has changed. The swing thoughts, putting, you know, all the stuff going on with the PGA Tour. This was, uh, this was a really, really good hour, if I may say so. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. Listen, if you're not tracking your recovery, your sleep, your training, there's no possible way that you can correlate any of your activities with what it's doing to your body, right? You can. I, I've learned so much about how alcohol affects my body, how CBD affects it, how sleep affects it. If I'm looking at my phone before I go to sleep, what that does to my sleep, what my REM cycles look like. This is all information that will be extremely helpful for your everyday life. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. It features a new smart alarm. It's designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day by waking you up during the proper sleep cycles. It was designed with their Anywhere technology. If you don't want to wear it on your wrist, you can wear the Whoop Body Sensor Enhanced Technical Garments, boxers, shorts, compression tops, bralettes, leggings, and more. You can attach it straight on those. Just remove it from the device and slide it onto the garment of your choice, and you're discreetly tracking your performance with Whoop. The all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months of membership, on your account. You can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code NLU15 at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter NLU15 to save 15% at checkout. Here's Colin Morikawa. We're recording this the day after the 2021 PIP is announced. Is to is is this the start of the 2022 campaign? Is that why you're here today? Oh man, I, maybe <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's been going on since January 1st. I mean, we we know we know it's real now, right? We know that that money is coming out. It's being paid. No, I mean, look, the the PIP stuff is it's you know whether I approve of it or not, and whether you know I, I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made from it. It still is something that you know you want to be a part of. And I think at the end of the day, it's really just getting to know people, getting to know fans. And that's what it is, engagement, right? And, you know, there's no one better than, than Tiger Woods when he says one sentence or posts a three-second clip or, like, whatever it is. Like, he's got everyone's attention. But I think the sentiment I get on Twitter, and maybe I just spend too much time on Twitter, is that people think it's a social media contest or a Twitter contest. Would I mean – would you say you have or that players have an understanding of how it's all measured and how it's all put together and that maybe it's, you know, a little bit more than maybe just the echo chambers in social media? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's what, I think there's five different like categories or indexes that were measured off of. So, you know, some like, you know, Twitter and Instagram aren't going to help. You know, one of them I, th I think is based on, you know, like people knowing who you are and your, your awareness around the world. Um, or in the country. And, you know, that's tough, you know, especially for the younger guys that have just turned pro, um, you know, like myself or Victor, like people didn't know who we were a year and a half ago if the, if the rating was taken at the beginning of the year, you know, and, and still like, you know, when I looked at it, I think yesterday, like Bubba was, was pretty well known, like people know who Bubba Watson is, you know, he's been out there for a long time. So props to that and props to him using that stuff. And, you know, people think I'm a lot angrier than, than what I actually am. Like, yeah, I'm bitter, but you know, 
at the end of the day, no one's bragging about being seventh place. You know, it's, you're either winning it or you're not. So, you know, I just love kind of poking the bear, you know, being 11th. Um, oh, well. <laughs> it is a little harsh that 10th gets three and 11 gets zero. I feel like it should be a little like that's not how, you know, the bottom of the main cut, you know, list goes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just seems seems a little harsh to me. I think what, you know, Bubba's won two majors. So what you, what I think you need to do is get out there and maybe win a couple majors and then uh, you'll be reco- <laughs> recognized okay. a little right. more. I'll try a little harder. World. <laughs> so we last talked two years ago. I think it was this exact week, right before the world changed a whole heck of a lot. How has life changed for you in the last two years? A lot, you know, the world has changed and your, and your career has changed a lot. What's life like for you now compared to two years ago? It's crazy. I feel like, you know, I mean, we, we literally did this right before COVID. Right. Like it like the every, day before yeah, like everything yeah. just stopped. Like we pretty much stopped the world. Um, it's been amazing. You know, obviously the golf has been there, but you know, outside of that and everything else, like I've, I've loved every part of what I do now. Right. And that's, that's part of enjoying golf and being a professional athlete. And this is everything, you know, we've dreamt about doing. So in a sense, like it's been just a lot of excitement, a lot of just a lot of highs obviously so far and hopefully we keep that going but it's everything I've asked for and I think that's the biggest thing is that I'm, I'm really embracing what I'm doing and instead of just you know just letting things go by you know it's a fun re-listen to listen to that conversation because one of my biggest takeaways was just like how your confidence it, it wasn't cocky but it was a, a confidence in what you were doing and that's prior to you winning two majors but what what happened from I know you won the Barracuda the July of 2019 but what happened from your time out there to March 2020 when we talked to say I that, that validated that confidence that gave you that reason to know I mean there had to have been at least a shred of doubt coming out as to how you would succeed on at the highest level you know what happened in that time period to kind of get rid of even that little shred of doubt you know there wasn't I wouldn't call it doubt because doubt's like saying I was never going to be able to win and never going to be able to get to the tour it was the unknown right of when I was going to get there right? Was I going to earn my card in that first summer? Was I going to get status? Was I going to make it to the playoffs? When was I going to win? Those questions go through your head. But at the same time, when you show up to these events, like when I showed up to Barracuda, like I showed up thinking, oh man, I'm the guy, like (laughs) I'm here to win. And it's the weirdest feeling when, you know, I'm five, six tournaments in, but at that point I had already secured my card. So it was kind of like, okay, like I'm here to win. Like I just earned my card in five starts. Like, you know, let's, be cocky in a sense of like, let's be cocky within myself and not, you know, go out and talk and blabber. Um, but I felt very confident and that's how you have to show up. And that's how the best players that I've noticed show up to these events that like, they're here to win. You know, we're not here to say hi and just, you know, enjoy it with the guys. Like we're here to beat everyone else. And I think that's the biggest thing. So it's not a doubt thing. It was just more of a factor of like, how do I switch that mindset of, okay, Let's try and win every single time we tee it up. Hmm. Your schedule's been a little light to start 2022. Is that a reflection of the craziness that was last year? Is that uh, how, how are you picking and choosing events now? Yeah, it was kind of planned. Um, you know, I played two in the fall, I played Century, um, went over to play a couple on the DP World Tour in Dubai, and then I played Riviera. And and you know that was kind of the fall was kind of planned out that way. I felt like we had a really really busy 2021. But things will start to pick up, you know, once we start playing players, you know, I'm in players, I'm going to play Valspar, I'll play match play, obviously you have the Masters. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more uh, events out there, but I feel like the the breaks I've given myself so far, like I've been really relaxed and I'm itching to get back out there again. And that's what's exciting is that like, you just want that itch sometimes, you know, you have that itch 
when you go and take a month off in December, then you go back to Hawaii. And I've just been able to kind of creep these little breaks in. Um, and then, you know, let's just go full pedal to the metal and see how, how well we can do in this, this next little stretch of golf. So I'm excited. You know, I, I see these guys play a lot more than me and I, I, I want to be out there. Um, you just got to pick the right schedule. And, and thankfully, you know, I've, I think I've done a good job of that so far. It's got to be hard to be patient, you know. Uh, I, I would I would think Bay Hill would be a pretty good golf course for you, but you know, you uh, when you look at what's coming down the road just over the next month, month and a half, it's like you got to pick probably one of the decently big events to just skip. And it, I guess is that something you've learned, or is that something that's pretty easy for you to do to to, to be patient and say like, look, I know how important rest is. You know, I, I think I've been lucky since I've turned pro of of not getting in this. I'm going to call it this corn fairy mindset of trying to play. 10 events in a row you know I've, i think the most i've ever played is four and that was the su first summer i turned pro and it was just leading through the playoffs because i ended up winning barracuda so it just i had to play four but i haven't done that since i've turned pro so i've been really lucky in, in being able to pick my schedule kind of spread it out and give myself these breaks um because i think it i think rest is so important it's so underrated like we do travel you know the 20 to 30 to 35 weeks a year um, which is, which is just crazy to think about, but it's like, it's just so nice to be home for not one week, but for two weeks. Like it is like the past two weeks after Riviera, it has been just amazing to get the body and everything just, just ready to go and play again. I, I say this, I think I'm still recovering from a trip to Abu Dhabi like four years ago. Cause like I just, that, that wrecked me. And I, I came back from that and was like, how the hell do these guys go to the middle East and like play the next week? Like there's no freaking way. But, a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee. Yeah. So uh, you're like, you're like 25 years old or whatever you are. You don't know what it's like to get old yet. But uh, so tell me, I, I've just personally, I can never handicap you. The weeks I pick you, you don't play well. The weeks I don't, you play great. What is don't, a, don't pick me. <laughs> what's a Colin Morikawa golf course? If you are designing, you know, kind of the, the characteristics of it, the grass types, the, the climates, what, what is, what, what makes you feel like your best set up to thrive? You've thrived in a lot of different environments. That's why I can't mm -hmm. figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. But don't bet on me if you're, if you're doing that. <laughs> I'm, okay? I'm done. You know, I, I think some of my favorite golf courses I've ever played have like really good Poe, like Poe greens when it's really good. And I'm not talking about when it gets chewed up and you got, we got 150 guys playing. I'm talking about, you know, like if there's 20 people playing and it's just perfect Poe, it's just so hard to beat. I mean, I, I would pick bent fairways because it's, it's so nice. And like, it's just so cut. Like it, you just wake up and you're just like, wow, like I want my ball to be in the middle of the fairway. But like, I, I would say design wise, I think for me, like just being able to shape the ball and, and really be creative with the ball. And that's how I play. I would want a lot of dog legs. I'd want it to like, you'd have to play it. You know, you have to play it to this part of the fairway. You know, if, if there is risk, you, it's an actual risk shot. You know, you're not just bombing driver and you're getting away with it in the trees. And, you know, I, I think I saw some stat about Riviera's that like, you know, it, we don't hit as many fairways, but the rough isn't also as penalizing. So I would, I, I would want it penalizing in a sense of like, if you do take the risk, you can get away with it. But, you, you know, if you can also really make it tough on yourself. So, you know, kind of a position type golf course is, is kind of what I would say would be like what I would want to see. But I haven't showed up to a golf course and been like, I have no chance. And if I do, that means I need, I need to add something to my golf game. But thankfully, I haven't had that course yet. But when I do, then, then you know, I got to find something new.
Would you say Riv is, you know, you mentioned how the, you know, the rough's not as penalizing. Is that a course though, that maybe more so than other courses that the side of the fairway that you miss on has a, a, a more drastic effect on your ability to score on that hole? Huge, huge, yeah. especially when the greens get a little bouncy. I mean, when we showed up on Tuesday and you, you were playing a practice round, like, I mean, they could have, if they really wanted to dry out those greens, it could have been like glass. Like it could have been like concrete, bald bouncing everywhere. But, you know, it's kind of the same for a lot of courses. You know, you have to think about where you're going to miss it because that's what we do. We, we just play our misses and our misses are just better than everyone else's. You mentioned, you know, talking about bent fairways there and I'm, I'm relating this back to your first trip across the pond, your first time playing Lynx golf. Take us to the first week. You're playing the Scottish Open. Not It's Lynx adjacent. It's not Lynx Lynx, but... That I'm glad to hear some of your quotes on this because every time I go over there, I'm like, dude, this is different. And every pro I ask, like, hey, how do you adjust your game for links golf? They're like, ah, no, you you don't. I don't know. You just you just adjust and you're fine. I'm like, you you change some of your equipment in between weeks before winning the Open Championship. Tell me about what you learned in week one that helped you in week two. Yeah, so let's see. I'm gonna go back even before that. It was like two weeks before playing at the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines, Poe, Kakuya. And I'm striping, like I'm hitting my driver, hitting my irons, fantastic. And I'm like, okay, game feels amazing. Head over Scottish and I'm in the middle of the fairway a bunch of times with a nine iron and I start hitting it to 45 feet. And I'm like looking at my caddy, I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like trying to think, we go to the range and I start blaming my clubs like everyone else, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure my caddy has heard this a million times from other players and the, the tailor-made reps are like, okay, whatever, like, sure, like let's blame the clubs. like. And I just felt like my swing was so where I wanted it to be that all I could do was blame it on the clubs. <laughs> like it was weird, right? Like, and, and you never want to blame it on your clubs. You never want to blame it on your equipment, but it just didn't feel right. It didn't, my arms, my, my short arms, my blades weren't feeling right through the turf. And Monday morning we get to the open and I was like, okay, let me just try the P7 MCs which I had in my five, my six and five iron, which I felt like I was hitting it okay, but I just didn't have that many shots with that um, at the Scottish and uh, put it in, started hitting center of the face and was like, okay, we're good to go. And it was like- So it was the equipment. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the equipment. It, it, there's something to it with how it digs in the turf, which, you know, people, you have to be able to create speed and, and you know, compress the ball. But it was just so funny because I could just tell the face, you know, I, I, I could look at my caddy's face that week of the Scottish while I was blaming my, my golf clubs, he was just like, sure, sure. You know, I've seen you, you know, not hit it well. Like, you know, let's, let's keep your foot down. Let's stay a little more down on it. You know, I, I could tell like he was just buying into my you know BS about what I was trying to say. Dude, that makes total, total sense <laughs> to me. That's what, like, That's what everyone needs like, to do. Right. But it, it is such a different style of golf. And I'm always amazed at how fast people flip the switch and, and switch to that style of golf because like, PGA Tour golf is almost all airborne. I mean, this is very obvious, but like you got to get it up in the air. The more you carry it, the better. Whereas like the first time you stand on a tee with a crosswind that you need to get the ball out of the air as fast as possible and running, it's just a different test. And I know you guys are the best players in the world for a reason, but it just seems like it would identify different players than it, but it, it seems like we see the same players rise up when we, when we see that yeah. style of play. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's not like the, the clubs immediately helped me hit the ball lower and hit it exactly where I wanted, but now Gave I you a trust, feel, but now exactly now I could feel the center of the face and then I could work the ball from there. So it was like, it was such a big thing about finding center of the face. And I, I think, you know, we do that every year with changing drivers, right? Like I love the stealth driver that I'm using this year. Like it is, it is so good. It was an easy transition, 
But even then, like I still had to learn how to hit the center of the face because it's just it's just different. And everywhere you go, you know, turf, like you just have to find the center of the face again and again and again. And that's just like it's a learning thing. And I don't like to blame my clubs because I feel like it's always on me. But this was like the one time where I was like sold on I have to change irons. Like if I didn't change irons, I would have gone crazy for those two weeks. A quick break here to check in with our friends at Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money directly from friends and family when they owe you money for dinner, when they owe you for golf bets, whatever it is. You can invest in any stock straight from the app. You can buy Bitcoin with just $1. It comes with a debit card that you can customize. Cash App laser prints it and mails it directly to you. It comes with free discounts on places you love. Those are called boosts. And if you use referral code no laying up when you sign up, it gives all new users $15 free and Cash App will set aside $10 for each sign up to Youth on Course. Basically, the more people using the code No Laying Up, not only are you getting a $15 free dollar bonus into your account, you're also helping support Junior Golf. Let's get those signups up there. Let's get a big total in there uh, that we can give to Youth on Course by the end of this year. I've had such a blast with Cash App. It's really fun to track different companies that I've started investing in. Listen, it's not a great time in the market, of course, but it's great. It's super interactive. It's easy for people that, you know, if you're not that familiar with how to put your money in some places where it might grow, it's super easy. So I can't recommend this enough. Again, code no laying up on Cash App. Let's get back to Colin Morikawa. Going back and watching highlights from it, you know, I, you know, even it, it was less than a year ago, but the history books will forever, you know, show you winning. That's what I remember. I remember dominance. I honestly didn't remember the start on Saturday. Take us to the start <laughs> on Saturday. What you got out of that? Some interaction maybe you had with JJ during that time period. I found that super interesting. To look back on because I feel like that's going to get lost to history. Yeah, no, it definitely will. And that's it's to this day that's the maddest I've ever been at JJ. And, you know, people look at me as like, you know, this really calm guy. And I am like, I, I love being in those situations. Um, I think I bogeyed two. So I was one over through four. I ended up being one over through four. I get to five T feel like I was striping my shots, hitting really good iron shots, T shots, even just not scoring. And I hit this perfect five wood off the tee or what we thought was perfect. Midair, JJ's like, good shot. And I'm like, I'm just watching it. I, I'm, I feel the wind pick up, blows it right, lands in the fairway, kicks ends up right on the lip of the bunker. I end up hitting that shot almost OB, barely had a stance, get a great shot, make bogey. After that tee shot or after that hole, I looked at him and I was like, I don't want you calling any other shot in the air again, like ever. And like, I could tell that like he was, he was a little pissed off at me too by saying that, but I think I needed to get that off my shoulders. So we, we go and play, we go and play the sixth hole. He looks at me and he's like, I'm trying my best. Like I'm trying, I'm, and I'm like, I know, I know. Like I, I just had to say something like it was, it was a weird, you know, it was something that you just had to get off your chest. And then we both had to get over it and we did. And then we just started going and we kept ourselves, you know, within the lead and um, thankfully saved that round. And like, it's, it's weird. Like that's the maddest I've ever gotten at him, but like, it was just, you had to get it off or else I would have been angry at myself or at him. And I just, it's like holding something into someone that you are so close with that it just, why not just tell them? You know, like we're both going to get over it. That's it. Uh, there's something about somebody making a comment that is super, super innocent <laughs> that just rubs you the wrong way. Like, yeah, I, 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 again, I'm right there with you. Like, it, it, like I, it's I obviously not his fault. I played yesterday. And like, it's just like a guy saying great putt when it's like yeah. 10 feet out and it lips out. And you're like, like shut up. On. And you're just, just don't. Like, 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 don't say anything. <laughs> Do not say anything. And, you know, normally it's fine. Normally it's really innocent and it, you get away with it. 
Um, but this one, I just where it bounced and landed in the fairway and it just was on the lip of the bunker. Like just everything went wrong with that kind of five seconds in the air. Hmm. So, you know, you're coming off a not great performance at the Scottish Open. Now you're changing some equipment going into St. George's. Are you, you know, have you, after you've seen that golf course, are you already convincing yourself that you could, you're talking yourself into that you can win this tournament? Are your expectations a little lowered going into it? It's your first open championship and you obviously you end up winning it, but like, what was that process like of getting into the competitive mode of like, Hey, this is, this is my tournament now. You know, I'm telling I, it goes back to what I, what I said about like showing up to these golf courses, feeling like I can win. Is that like, I, I didn't show up and be like, Oh man, link style golf. You know, I don't know how to play. I, I have no chance of winning. I showed up to the course and did my due diligence with, you know, him, with JJ and myself to, to learn the course Monday through Wednesday and feel as prepped by Thursday to think I can win the tournament. And that's what I do every single week. And I feel like the prep we put into the weeks of learning the golf course really helps. And that's what I'm interested to see about like St. Andrews later this year is that it's a course I've never been to. I've never played. I could not tell you holes other than one 17, 18, but like, it's a little more linksy, right? So I'm going to have to learn that course even a lot more because there's just so many hidden features to it. And I like knowing every in and out of a golf course, but that's the thing is like, I showed up to the Royal St. George's feeling great, learning the golf course, showed up to the first hole and thought I could win. And like, that's, that's what you have to do. I, I think you have to do that. And if you don't think you can win by Thursday on Thursday, when you tee it up, I mean, you, you're just praying for luck. I cannot wait for the old course. It is, it's so, it's so freaking interesting. And it, there's just so many layers to it. I hope you get some wind that you need a little bit of wind. Yes, Cause that's there's, what just, I've heard. That's there's what bunkers I've heard. out there that are like, well, why is that there? And then like the next day you're, Oh my God, I don't even know if I can cover that bunker. Like it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a magical chess match going on with the dual fairways yet. You know, the closer you play to like the, you know, you're talking about risk shots. Like you can bail left all day but you have to play close to the right side to get any kind of angle around the mounds that are going to be, you know, if there's any firmness, I mean, when it's, when it's soft, you know, this, you can just land it wherever you want, but if there's any firmness, you got to have the right angles on that course. And that angles kind of get dumbed down a little bit in pro golf. Uh, you know, I think, you know, most of the time, but that's one place where it can come alive. So for sure. Yeah. When you get, when you get tough conditions, it just, it, it makes an easy course. Like you make them firm, you, you, you angle some holes like it, that's just good golf right and that's what but you got to want, want that that's what you want 100%. like I, I, yeah 100 percent. i mean i, I heard like if, you know if there's no win it, there's a lot of holes some guys can just bomb it out there and you're you're almost driving the green you know you're almost close to the hole so yeah i want the win you know i, I want to be able to control the ball and then you know take a lot of the guys out of the field just by knowing that you've got to have full control of the golf ball. What are your swing thoughts with iron? I, I'm super curious. You know, you've come out and you've done so many great things with iron play. You know, your numbers have been incredible, but how do you keep, how do you keep a strength, a strength? And what are you thinking about when you stand over an iron shot on the golf course? How to hold it? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Now you're getting punchable, I, man. <laughs> I, I joke with people now. Like uh, I did this shoot, uh, you know, a week ago and this, I had a, great shot from 116 and rolled by and this guy didn't really know golf he was just filming i was like oh just don't worry like tell me next time when you want me to hold it and i'll hold it for you no you know for me it's a lot about where i'm gonna finish like i feel like my body takes care of a lot and i think a lot of people can get through the ball but they worry about so much on how to get to the ball that they forget about the other half of the swing of getting through it so i always think about finish you know whether it's high for a cut kind of mid on my ear level for a straight shot or low for a draw i feel like my body can take care of that of getting it to that spot 
So that's been kind of one of my, like one of my simple swing thoughts, especially when I'm playing really well of just like, okay, if I'm going to cut it, I'm going to start it here. I'm going to finish high and I'm going to see it cut right to the hole. Like that's, that's kind of a simple swing thought that I've always had. Maybe this is just kind of self-selecting with, you know, when you're playing your best, that's when you're on TV the most. And it feels like when you're playing your best, even if it's a left pin, you're fine saying, I'll aim this over the left bunker and I'm fading it at this pin. What is your philosophy on how you're going to shape shots? Because I feel like that sticks out to me watching on TV that I don't see. I see you taking shot shapes that are maybe different than some other guys are taking on certain holes. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely learned to, to work in a straight ball or a slight draw now just because I've, I've definitely been hurt by trying to aim over the water on the left and bring it back on a par three. Drivers, like, I'll, I'll still do that because I know I can overcut it and be okay with it. But irons, you know, it's just smarter to play it outright sometimes. But when I'm playing well, I mean, my cut is just, it's my go-to shot. And it's just something I, I feel like if there is water and I'm playing well, I can aim over the water and I know what's going to happen. You know, I, I just know it's going to cut back. And what I've learned and what I've learned most about like playing Augusta is that, you know, when I showed up to Augusta and you hear everyone, oh man, you've got to play a draw. You've got to play a draw. You've got to play a draw. And what happened my first couple of years is that like I show up and all I was working on the week before was trying to hit a draw. And I might need it for maybe four tee shots, three tee shots and everything else I can play my normal shot. And, and that's what happens is that like you start playing to strengths or you start hearing what people say that like, you need to do this, you need to do that. But like, there's way to play golf. There's ways to play golf courses, many different ways. Like there's just not, there's not one way. And that's the thing. And that's the biggest thing is that like, for me, if I know I can play a cut, I'm going to go and play a cut as many times as I, as I can, because that's my strength. And I think that's what more guys need to do is like play their strength, like play that shot. And that's, for me, it's it's a cut, even if it is a left pin. Two thirteen, and is it nine? The tee shots where you where you have to draw it, or is it? Can you can you kind of get away like with two, fade? Two, you don't even need to draw. Really, like two two, I can hit a very straight shot, and that's fine. Like I don't need to draw the ball. Ten, you got to draw the ball. Thirteen, I think it's hook, or I'm gonna call ten and thirteen a hook. Like you you legitimately need to hook the golf ball, and there's a couple others that like. Yeah, like you need to straighten out. So, so I mean, really two tee shots out there that you have to draw it. Um, but other ones, like I, I can play my shot. And I think that's what I've learned over the past couple of years is like, all right, stick to my strengths. Like that, that's what I do best, right? Hmm, that's interesting. What the couple numbers so far in your, you know, I know we're working in a, in a small sample size for your stats so far for the year. I wonder if this is small sample size or if there's been any changes on your front. You're top 10 right now in strokes gain off the tee on the PGA tour. Is that a result of a little more distance, just a little more accuracy so far in the events you've played? Is that something you're, you're actively tracking or what's the story there? You know, I felt like when I actually switched the stealth driver, I actually gained a little distance, like just not doing anything. I just gained some ball speed. And I think that's a slow progression of the guys I've been working out with in LA. These guys called urban golf performance. We've been working on just slow improvements. Like I, I haven't tried the Bryson route of like, let's go in a month, like to bulk up and, and gain. Like I, I want that one mile per hour in that six, seven month span. Cause I just, you know, for me, it's longevity and I feel like where I'm at is fine. But I think when I switched that driver, I really gained some speed. I gained some distance, which was great. I actually don't feel like I'm as accurate as I have been in the past. Um, and that's just something of just figuring out, you know, knowing where to aim down the fairways and being a little more precise about what I'm doing. Um, but it's great. You know, I, I don't know what I finished last year. I want to say I was still top 50 maybe um, off the tee. So like, I, I feel like, you know, even though I'm not the longest driver, I, I still try and keep it in the fairway. And that's the biggest thing for me is that like, 
I just need to play out the fairways. That's that's like that's that's what I need to stick to for the strengths. They got you 36th last year, 0.281 off the tee. Do you track the stats pretty closely? Is that something you're looking at on week to week, month to month, or not? Not a ton. Like I, I know kind of where I stand, and you know what's been improving, what's not been improving. But I, I couldn't tell you what my exact numbers are. I, I was a little, I was a little ag- agitated with how I finished the season with my ball striking last year, with my approach shots because I know I, I was up there quite a bit. I still finished, I think, first, but I was like, I had a really big gap. Like a really big gap, Huge. and I just it just hit the fan and just had had some pretty poor uh, finishing stretches, obviously for the playoffs. You're looking at the numbers too much. That if you knew you had that <laughs> big of a gap, then you're, every uh, every bad one you hit, you're probably damn. That's cutting it. That's cutting it point one. No, but I mean that you are gaining at one point. You're gaining two shots per tournament over the next guy with your iron play. I know people look at a 1.5 strokes gain approach and look at the next guy at one and think that's not a lot, but like, tell us, tell us how much like tenths of a shot, quarter of a shot, half shots matter at that level. It's huge. And the, you're exactly right. You're adding it for every round. Like this yeah. isn't a per tournament type thing. This is per round and approach shots. I, I think, you know, we've seen it is kind of that biggest, you can separate yourself that much because you're going to give yourself that many more chances. If you're hitting it that much closer and you're giving yourself that many more putts from 15 feet in, you're, you're increasing your odds of making the putt. Now, you still have to make the putt. That's, that's what I've learned is that you, know, you can hit it really close. and <laughs> That's next means, on the list. <laughs> it means nothing, but you are still giving yourself a lot better of a chance to make birdie, you know, if you're hitting it well. And, you know, there's many other ways to do it. Like, I'm not saying there's one way to only play golf. But, you know, that's been my strength, and I want to keep it a strength, absolutely. That's what I've just, you know, the more and more I do this, the more I learned, like just however close you are to the hole and regulation is going to dictate your score way more than anything else. If you're, if you're, you know, you can survive a round or two scraping it around, getting up and down, but there's, it's no way to play. It's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable way to play golf. And there's almost, you know, I, moving on to that, your second in strokes gain in putting so far this year. Is that small sample? <laughs> is that small sample size? Because that's quite an improvement from last year. Man, I don't. I don't even want to look at the numbers. And and you're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it on you to for, for myself to remind myself. I'm not gonna start looking at all the little point okay. whatever numbers for the rest of the year. I might look at where I stand. You go. You know, because it's a good radar on on how much you're. You know, you're getting better, or getting worse. Yes, it is a small sample size, but. I feel like I am getting in a groove now of learning how to putt a little more consistent, consistently. And, you know, the on weeks when I'm on, I feel like it's great. And I think that's, what's awesome. Is that like, I've seen sample sizes of, of previous events where I've putted well and I've won tournaments or I've finished top five or whatever, but I just want to keep seeing that more consistently. Right. I, I, that's what I want to become. Like I want to become a consistent putter. And I, I think it's just thinking similar in a sense of how I hit my golf shots. I've got to bring that same mindset to putting. And, you know, I, I'm in such a routine on golf shots is that I know what to do when I'm not hitting it well. I know what to do when things are a little off. And that's what I'm trying to figure out with putting is that like when it's an off day, what are my go-tos to get back and realign and, and get everything situated? Because it's, it's funny to me to just hear, I, I, I dig in, you know, anyone that ever, ever talks about putting, I love to hear their, their philosophies. And it seems to me that even at the highest level, maybe even especially at the highest level, people, some pros are more apt to consider putting to be a different part of the game 
than than golf, right? Ball striking and putting are two different things. It's, it's it, instead of just like playing golf, you view them as two separate things. Have you gone through that at all? Is that something that's evolved? Yeah, I think I'd say before last fall, that's how I viewed it. And I, yeah. I give a lot of credit to everyone on the Ryder Cup and especially all the captains and assistant captains because I like I asked I was literally sitting on the putting green and I remember Strick coming up to me. And I, I had like Jim Furyk, Zach Johnson, and, and I think Freddie watching me hit this like 10 foot putt. And he looks at me, he's like, you good? <laughs> and I was just grinding. Like I was like asking these guys like how they're putt, like how they read these putts. And I, I could tell like, he was almost like a little worried that like I was, I was not ready to go play golf like a like, couple of days before. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think before the fall last year, I, I viewed it as two separate things. But I think I, you know, I, my iron game is such a strength that I need to take things out of my iron game. And it, it doesn't have to be the exact same things, but just how I view iron shots and try it with putting. And that's what I've done is that like I've taken pieces of what I think are the fundamentals of how I view and how I go through the process into my putting. And I think it's, it's helped and hopefully it continues to just evolve. And I remember every single process because like I, I say, when I'm playing or when I'm hitting a shot bad, I know what, what's going wrong. Like I, I have my steps and boxes that I can check off to get back to standard. That putting, I, I just didn't have because I looked at it so differently and I, I tried so many different things that like if I had one bad putting week, it was like, okay, like this, this thought is out of the bag. And that's the problem is that like when hitting, when I do, when I, when I hit shots, I don't do that. Like I, if I hit it bad, I, I know what I did and I go back to what I know it works. And, you know, thankfully with putting, I'm slowly starting to figure this out. And it's just, it's a learning process. I mean, some people are amazing putters and some aren't. And I've definitely asked a lot of players out there and you just get, you know, you just get your little tidbits and you kind of, you kind of merge it all together and hopefully it comes up with good formula. Because I can't imagine that the good putting weeks come from really, really technical thoughts out on the golf course. Is that fair to say? No, it's just all, it's, it's all luck. I mean, <laughs> it's all luck. Um, no, it's, um, yeah, it, it, nothing's technical. And I, when anyone is playing well out there, it just, it just isn't technical. Like when you're over that shot, you just know you're going to hit a good shot or you're going to make the putt. And that's every, any person that wins any given week is going to say the same thing. Because if you're thinking something super technical, there's no way you're going to be able to sustain that for four days throughout a tournament, I, I think. Well, and it's even what, you know, looking at your numbers last year that were overall not good, you still had excellent, excellent putting weeks. Like your variability was huge. I felt like it, it, it just, it coming out, looking on TV, it's like he get the, he gets that look in his eye and that ball is going in. Right. But it's like, is that something you're, you're trying to learn it too as well? It's just like how confidence relates to putting, right? I heard you talk about, I mean, you, you talk about your iron play, you kind of joked about trying to hole it. But there's definitely something to thinking target and ha and how you know how that can get you into the right process. Is that fair to say for the same for putting? Yeah, I think back to like when I was a junior, you know, a junior golfer and an amateur or college golfer, and that and you, you watch Jordan Spieth and the dude's holding putts from everywhere, right? He was striping the ball amazing, but he was holding like he would step up and just pull it and just putt after putt after putt. And that's how I want to get like, you want to just be able to step up and have the confidence that you're going to make a putt. And, you know, it, it helps when you see results, um, not just in tournaments, but even in practice when you're just making putts, right. You're hitting good shots, you're making putts. It helps, helps in tournaments to see that. Um, but I think it's, it's building that confidence. And I think it's just time for me just to stick with one routine, one way to look at things 
and just see a, a lot bigger of a sample size. I don't, I don't think I've given myself enough credit because I have seen those weeks where it's like, it's good, right? You, you step up, you have that confidence. And the next week you'll start missing putts and you'll just be like, oh man, like what I did that previous week to win. And now when I'm doing the same exact thing, it's like, oh, like, come on. Like, it's not going to be that good every single time, but can you just keep it a lot more consistent? I'm smiling as you say this because I'm like, because this is exactly how I think. Like, if you're going through that, that actually does make me feel a little bit better. How have you not met somebody at Workday and talked them into sponsoring like tour events all over the country? Huh? How has that not come to fruition yet? Yeah, I think I'm I'm what, I'm two and zero in the past couple of years. You are. When they pop up a tournament, um, you win it. Memorial sponsored by Workday this year. I'm just saying. Um, look, I've I've gotten to know their CEO, Neil. I would think um, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've made my calls to him. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I. I just don't know. I mean, it's like they've been. Neil's been amazing. He's been an awesome CEO to reach out, and we've got some ties back to the Bay, Bay Area, which is really cool. So I'm, you know, it's it's a good friendship that I I, I like to call him a friend now, um, because I have called him on <laughs> on two occasions right after golf tournaments. But no, I mean it shoot i think that was a that was a running joke for a lot of people uh, to see a workday event and uh have me on top i i i would love to keep that going i'll be honest <laughs> so all right if we're looking you've made i think it's eight major starts as a professional you've won two of them does that change your career expectations at all all right so every any person that's ever said expectations to me i throw it out the window because that's just that's all it's all media talk that's all. That's all what you guys put on me and what you guys want me to do. I asked you, you for your I expectations. Yeah. I know. So that's why I'm, there's no expectations. It's all for me. It's all goals. My standards are, are much higher. Right. And I've got to make sure that I, you know, I put my standard to a very absolute high, but I've got to understand that with that, I've got to be able to relax and still go out and play golf. Like I, I can't get mad for hitting an eight iron to 25 feet when I, you know, thought I should have hit it to 10 feet. Like I can't get mad at that because like on average, like we're still hitting it to, you know, so far, like we're not going to hit every shot good. So my standards have gone up. Absolutely. Um, but for me, my goals, like they stay the same. I just keep adding more. I keep pushing the limit to, to just see how far I can go. And like, for me, I, I just feel like I'm just starting to just, you know, break the, the ice to just keep getting better. And, and I learning more shots, puttings coming together, chippings coming together. Um, I'm just learning so much that like, I, I, and I feel like I have so much still to learn. Cause like when you talk to some of these guys that have been out there, like they know so much about golf, like, like wedges and putting and bounce. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like I got a lot to learn. Like I've got a lot to learn and it's fun. And it's so fun to learn that stuff. Cause you're not a golf nut his history wise right and it sounds no. like i'm surprised that you're that yeah. you're that you're amazed at their knowledge of golf with the level you play at obviously yeah i mean i'm not talking about golf history i, I just I'm, I'm talking about like just equipment and like learning to get better and learning these little things like it's 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 so fun to pick their brains so like for me going back to that expectation question you know yeah you know i've played really well in the majors and i feel like for me it, the, the, my second major was the PGA championship. Right. And it was the weirdest thing because we had no fans and I showed up to a course that I'd played 10 times throughout college. So I, I knew the course pretty well. I knew the course well enough, but you could just tell like everyone was just breathing differently. <laughs> like the air was just different because it was a major, like, even though there was no fans, it was just different. And I showed up and I'm like, man, like I, people feel tense. Like 
Like it's, it, and, and it is, it, it's a major. And I, I, I don't take them for granted. I don't take them lightly. I, I don't, like, I'm not putting down a major at all. I think majors are life changing, career changing events to win, tournaments to win. But for me, what I've learned, cause like, you know, I, I hear Brooks, right. He'll, he might prep a little differently. And, and got, I think a lot of guys prep a lot differently for majors. For me, like I said, I, I do my prep the same way Monday through Wednesday. I feel like I am ready by Thursday and it's worked. You know, I, I feel like by Thursday, I feel like I'm ready to go win. And I have to do that. I have to keep sticking to the same routine because that's what I feel like is putting me my putting my best foot forward to show up and win a tournament. I'm going to read a Padraig Harrington quote that, that I, we use on almost a monthly basis. I think it's super, I think it's super interesting and I want your reaction to it. He said, unfortunately, as you gain experience, you lose innocence. There is a sweet spot on the way up when you're gaining a bit of experience and yet you still have that innocence. What's your reaction to that? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like I, I understand that. <sighs> Let me see. I'm trying to think because it, he's pretty much saying like the younger you are, the le- like the more innocent you are, right? You, you have less to like less scar remember tissue. all the bad, less scar tissue, right? But like my first year at Riviera, I five putted. No one knows. It. Like, I don't <laughs> think people realize I five putted. Okay. I'm not going to say what hole you can go look. Oh, it. I'll find it. Yeah. I know you're going to find it. Okay. But like, that's, that's, it was so devastating because I, I think I was like 400 through five final day. I knew I needed just a solid round to make the WGC the week after in Mexico. And, and that kind of would have solidified my top 50 position, my top 50 ranking. I would have gotten in all the majors. And that was the most stressful round I've ever had. And I, I understand it all builds up and it builds up and, it, you know, it, you play, you know, and, Look, I'm only in, I'm in season four on the PGA tour. This is my, I'm, I'm not even in three years as a professional yet. So I, I understand the innocence part. Um, but you, I mean, you've got to be like Dory, right? And I, <laughs> like the fish, right? Like, like in finding, finding Dory, finding Nemo, like you've got to be able to forget. And I think even the bad times, I think for me, like even when I have that scar tissue, it motivates me so much more to just learn and just like, let's just make this so much better. Like I played bad here last year. Let's go and let's go play great. Like I played great here. Let's go play great again. Let's, let's go do this. Like it just drives me that like competition for me to just show up at a place that maybe I've struggled before. Maybe I haven't played well, just be like, man, like, how did I not like, like, what do I need to do better to figure out this golf course? And it's, for me, it's fun. Like I, I understand there's a lot of scar tissue that builds and builds and builds, but like, you look at the best athletes, like, and, and for us, especially you look at the best athletes around sports, like they might have a, they probably have a winning record. All the best athletes have a winning record. Golfers have a losing record for sure. Like we're, I think, I think we're the only athletes that have a losing record. So we really have to learn how to get over it. Other athletes, you know, you, you might lose, maybe, you know, maybe you win a Super Bowl and you lose twice in a season or you lose once, or you go through your entire college career, never losing a game. We lose every single week, like Every single day, you're, you're probably losing someone unless you go wire to wire, but you have to get over it. And I, I think that's just something of golf. So I, I, under, I understand what he's saying, but I also think the best of the best players just don't care. They just get over it because you want to just, you just want to be better. And all the scar tissue that builds up, 
it's just thrown in the trash or you, or it's not thrown in the trash. That's, that's not right. That's not what the way I should say it. It's, it's just a learning experience. And that's how moment. I think yeah. that's, yeah, it's a teaching moment. Yep. No, that's interesting. I've, I've just, I love that quote. And I, I wanted to ask somebody that's on the way up. Cause I've heard Rory reference it. I asked Rory that too. And he kind of nodded a little long along in his thirties of like, yeah, I kind of missed my days in my twenties when I fired yeah. at every pin and, 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 uh, and did it a little differently. And maybe, maybe I'll give you a different answer in like five years. Well, but... I'll mark, I'll put that on the calendar for five <laughs> years from now to, to follow up on that. But, uh, you mentioned talking about learning little technique things or, or, or you know, different things from different people. I understand you. Did you learn this uh, directly from the goat, the draw chip? JT told me about this like four years ago, like try putting draw action on your chips. I read that in the Golf Digest article. Oh, Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I should not. I should not. Yes. yes okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that not a thing? No, it is. It is a thing. And for me, like, I, man, the, the Taylor made photo shoot days when, you know, Tiger wasn't here this year, but the past couple of years when he has been there, like, my ears and eyes are just glued to him because he just like, he just kind of spills a little knowledge. And I know he didn't do this when he was younger because he was just beating everyone else and didn't want to give a little tidbit, but like, there's so like, I, I did a little, like not a clinic. I, I did a little video with Taylor made with me and him hitting iron shots. And it was like, I was just, my jaw was to the floor. Like I was, that was the first time, like when I met Tiger, you know, I, I, I will always remember where I met him. But that little 10 minute stretch of us hitting irons, I was just like, oh man, like, all right, maybe I am doing something good. Like he's doing this, like, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> but yeah, like chipping wise, I've learned how to chip a lot more efficiently, a lot better, especially in grainy lies. The way this draw chip works is that it, you're pretty much just shallowing it out, right? And especially in grain, you just don't want to have the leading edge go in. Um, Marco Mira has helped me a lot on putting. And Paul Azinger, I got like a 15, 20 minute lesson before I won the WGC at, uh, at concession last year. Um, he gave me a chipping lesson and I still use it to this day. So, I mean, those two guys, I owe so much credit to. Hmm. On to the Ryder Cup, Whistling Straits. How did, uh, how did the DJ pairing come about? You know, how did pairings come about? Did you guys give recommendations to captains? Did they look at formulas and say you guys would go great? How did, what, where does that start for you? starts really early when I, I think a lot of guys that were in consideration, we filled out these forms and I filled mine out really early, almost like COVID, like pre COVID time. Cause you know, the Ryder cup might've happened in 2020. Right. So, and I forget who I put BMW playoffs last year. I'm on the range. I think like on my second round, third round, I'm already playing awful. And I get a call from the captain. So I, I'm, you know, straight calls me and he doesn't realize I'm teeing off in like 30 minutes, but I'm like, okay, I'll just answer it. Like, I, you know, well, and he's like, what do you think about playing with DJ? And I'm like, sure. Like, why not? And that was the first time I had ever heard of that pairing. I, I didn't really think about it. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I love playing with him. I think we get along. Like we, we talk all the time and like, I don't text him, but like, you know, when we're out there on the tournaments or, you know, we'll have a good time. And, you know, we've had great times with the Taylor Raid shoots and um, or Adidas shoots even. So I, I thought it was an awesome pairing. And um, we're, we, we're kind of a similar sense of like, we just kind of go ho-hum. We like get our business done and call it a day. And it was like, it was so good. Like I loved every moment of being with DJ. I, like, I love it now. I, every single time I see him, like it's, it's, we've created this bond now, like especially after the Ryder Cup. It, it's, 
it's it's unexplainable really i mean yeah that one jumped off the page it's like all right well send that send that that to that duo out <laughs> until they lose basically but yeah did it did it get scientific at all with how you guys did like all uh foursomes with you with the odd holes him with the even holes with how the iron play was going to shake out and how you how did you guys figure that stuff out you have to you know we we Every team, whether it's our team or the, you know, European team or, you know, even in President's Cup international teams, like any team is going to hire guys to do the stats. The problem is like the stats only go so far until you just like say, screw it. Like we're just going to beat these guys. And the stats will tell you, you know, you should tee off this, you should tee off this. And, you know, just say I had a different partner and like maybe I'd tee off this hole. Um, some guys are very, depending on the course, like let's just call it a whistling straight. Some guys would be very odd holes or very even holes. And some guys could mix match depending on their games on who they're, you know, matched up with. But for DJ and I, you know, our stats guys said, do this. And we thought about it and it made sense. And we were just like, okay, like it it works, right? Like we're going to hit these shots. We're going to hit these shots. And um, we both played tailor-made balls. He used a little harder of a ball that didn't spin as much, but off the tee, like if I was going to use his ball for him to hit an iron shot, it was perfect. Like it would go almost, it'll probably actually go a little farther than what I was hitting my ball. And I was like, oh, maybe I need to make a switch. But um, I haven't, I haven't yet. Did you guys all switch balls around based on the hole though? Because I, yeah. I honestly so didn't whoever, know you could yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 You can change. You can, you can't change in the middle of the hole, but like between holes you can. And so we would just do like, if he was hitting the iron shot on that hole, we, I would want him to know, have his ball. So I would hit his, I would hit his ball off the tee. And, you know, there's so many good balls out there, but it was nice that like, it was a TP five X. He was using a TP five X. I was using a TP five. There are balls that I've used before. So um, it wasn't that like crazy difficult. When does the focus turn to Italy? I know this is not a Ryder cup year, but you know, you guys were asked about it in the press conference right after winning. Jordan kind of went out of his way to be like, no, no, no. Like we do, we have some unfinished business here. You haven't been a part of the losing team. So I don't know how close you feel to the unfinished business, but do you get the sense from the, the team that, you know, the, the next one is the one that you really need to win? hundred percent. Like when you're, whenever you're on their soil, right. And I've, I've really never played like all my team events. I've played, only a couple team events as an amateur. I played one Palmer Cup in France, but it was, you know, it's boys and girls. And then I played a world team am in Ireland, but that's a little different. So I've never really had like a Walker. I never had a Walker Cup over there. My Walker Cup was in LA. I mean, it's hard to beat that too, but there's unfinished business. But for me, for my mindset, like I, I can't even think about the President's Cup right now. Like I am so focused on the players next week and I'm so focused on every week at that moment. And I think when I do get ahead of myself, like I'm going to blink. The players, if I start thinking about the President's Cup right now, I'm going to go through this entire next two month stretch and just be like, man, like, why did, why did I go play golf? Like, I should have just been sitting home. Like, it, it's so, for me, it, it's, it just does me no good to think about that stuff. Like, I, I just want to go and win tournaments. And if I win tournaments, then we'll make the team. And I, I don't have to worry about that. So I want to make those teams because I know how much fun they are now. Like, it was, it was amazing. Like, the best thing you could ever ask for but I, I just can't get ahead of myself. Well, I'm honestly probably a little sick of talking about this, uh, all the Saudi developments. I'm sure you're sick of being asked about it. Uh, you've, you've made your, your stance clear. We don't need to, you know, relitigate that, but I'm curious with with what's happened in the last couple of weeks, you know, with uh, the fallout, you know, recently Bryce and DJ declaring their allegiance, Phil obviously stepping away from the game. What's, what's your reaction to how all of that has played out? Yeah, it was weird. You know, I had my press conference on that Tuesday Riv. you know, I'd, people asked me so I said and then it just kind of like just everyone it was like a freaking like bull run and everyone was coming along 
And like, you know, Tiger said it early on, Rory said it, you know, made their statements very early on. But I, I think people need to take a stance. Like you, 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 need to, you need to see something, right? You need something to happen. And for the Saudi league to not have announced anything, is we're just going to keep talking about it, uh, talking about the unknowns. Like why are we talking about something that's so mythical that if we don't know anything, how, how can we know that actually something's actually going to happen? You know, it's just, it's just, it's funny to me because we've put so much emphasis on this. And I think everyone's just so drained about talking about these, you know, hypothetical things, right? Like, Oh, this guy might go here. This guy maybe is interested, but we have no clue. Like even the guys, you know, when, when the Saudi tournament happened um, earlier in the year, you know, a month ago or whatever, and guys were saying they signed an NDA, like, we still don't know what, what what's included in that. So it, it, it's just so funny that we're talking about something so much when we don't know anything concrete. Like, why? And is that how players feel? You know, as media, it's very hypothetical, and we're trying to piece all this information, but it's super hard to gather it because everyone I talk to uh, is just like, I don't know. I've heard this. I've heard, well, he's out. No, no, I heard he's in. Like, is that how you guys feel internally? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I don't have a list in my back pocket that I can show you and be like, here, like this is this is every guy that's officially in. Like what you know is exactly what I know <laughs> and what everyone else knows, right? It, it's it's impossible. And you know, every you know, the past couple things obviously with, with, with what's happened to Phil, um, you know, it's tough. You know, uh, Phil's been super kind to me. And I, and look, I, I've been in a position when I since I've turned pro that a lot of pros have been really kind to me and I, I know that not everyone gets that treatment and some guys come out you know you look at you know you're like oh here's this new kid or whatever you know I, I've been very lucky and I'm I'm very thankful for that like these guys um are awesome I, I know they're trying to beat me and I'm trying to beat them but like aside from that there's been just really nice guys out there and we're, we're just great we're normal people like <laughs> we're not we're not doing anything crazy right we're just good at golf um but they've been really kind and, and Phil really has um, and it's tough to see what, what everything has gone through, but, you know, sometimes you get your words kind of mixed up and, and sometimes you say something that maybe you don't really mean, or maybe, you know, you just need to get off your chest and maybe he can, you know, even though everything has kind of gone against him, um, hopefully he can take a deep breath and, and recoup and, and regather his thoughts and come back out, you know, stronger than ever. Um, you know, it's tough to see, but to see the group of guys that we're building to that have committed to the PGA tour, like. I've, like I said, from the, from the first minute of this conversation, I've loved doing what I do. And, you know, so far that's been playing on the PGA tour and it has been amazing. And I'm so thankful for what we do. Right. And it's hopefully only going to keep getting better. And that's what we've seen. Like, you know, we've pulled out $60 million over the past year. Um, and hopefully it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. So what is that? What, what, in your opinion, can improve on the PGA tour? Right. Cause I, I we've talked about this a ton and I, it, it seems to me that there's at least a sentiment out on tour, whether that be a small group of people or a big group of people, that the tour is maybe hoarding money, that there's money sitting around that they're not paying out. I, 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 it seems like there's a disconnect at some level between community, like the information the tour is sharing and the sentiment among the players. Do you have any insight on any of that? Well, let's see. Like, I'm, not, I'm not on the pack, so I'm not on the committee, so I, I don't see you know as depth or, you know, as in-depth as, as some other players, you know, I've, like I said, I've only done this for a short period of time. So when people ask me, like, what do you improve? I'm like, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy what I do right now. <laughs> like, I'm not complaining. Um, 
but it is surprising to me that you can pull out, uh, you know, I'm going to call it 50 million for Pip. And then this, like, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it's a stupid thing of, of giving us $50,000 for every, for every, every member that plays 15 tournaments, whether you make or miss a cut, I think you get $50,000. Uh, I don't understand that. I mean, you do the math, it's like $10 million to, to the entire membership. Just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like there are so many other ways to put together ten million dollars, sixty million dollars total, even other pl- you know places they're putting money. For yeah, I, I don't know the answer, and I said this in my presser last week. I read like I, I don't know the answer to what we should do, but you know I've been thinking, and you know I just haven't come up with a great idea to share with people yet. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is that like, I mean, ten million dollars for you know here's fifty here's a fifty thousand dollar check. I mean, I, I think over a hundred. I mean, everyone that made the FedEx cup playoffs last year made over a million dollars. Right. So $50,000 I I know is very helpful and it's life, you know, life changing for a lot of people. But if the last guy's making over a million dollars, I don't know what $50,000 is doing for every member. Like, is that, is that, is that their way to save us to to, to keep us on tour? Like that wasn't my deciding factor of like, right. Well, let me, I, I don't know this, but let's say hypothetically, like, all right, the tour's making initiatives, right? We're going to give the top 10 guys, we're doing all this pit money, we're throwing money in the FedEx, we're increasing purses. Their obligation is also to a 200-member-plus organization, right? And this, how I viewed that 50K per person is like, this is covering, I don't know what percent, but some of your expenses for the year. I know it's expensive to travel the tour, hotels, all that. Like, here's also our initiative to say, Look, we're giving a lot more money to the top guys right now, but also for the whole tour, like here, let's cover this. And I don't know that. Yeah, but but if they wanted to do that, why not? Like, you know what we did during COVID, right? They chartered planes, and I and I know they were losing money on that. I mean, it's it's not cheap to charter planes, but like it would take care of so many things about guys like on the corn ferry or the corn ferry tour category guys, right? That like don't have to worry about. Okay, let me go book this middle seat economy. I mean, that's how I thought, and like that's how, you know, I, I still like to look at what I'm paying. Like, I'm not just freely spending my money just because I've played well and made money. Like I still think about <laughs> what I'm doing, but like, if you just, you know, I'm not saying they should, but you're right. Like if, if they, if, if you're thinking of it as a $50,000 expense, you know, credit $10 million, like I'm, I'm pretty sure they can charter planes for under $10 million throughout the year. And just, it would get everyone there. You leave Sunday night, you leave Monday morning, you would get everyone to the tournament. You're there, your baggage is there. You don't have to worry about any of this. Like it would, it would take care of a lot. So, you know, look, the PGA tour is the top of the top and we are a big professional athlete, you know, platform around the world. And, you know, yes, we're based in the U S but like people know what the PGA tour is. People want to go play on the PGA tour. It's just like the NBA. People want to go play in the NBA. People want to go play in the MLB or uh, I don't even know if they want to play in the MLB right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they can't, but you know what I mean? We're we're big, you know, we're, we're not the scale of what they are, but we are still the top tour. And it's just, how do you make things like that? Just even more enjoyable for us to be out there. Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly certainly an interesting time. I think it. Uh, I think things are improving for on your guys' end, and will continue with the new TV deal. That's the thing too; is it's an escalating deal, and it's you know I think it's going to get correlated pretty strongly with well that you know this threat from the outside league is what's driven all these you know revenue increases, which at least part of that I think was going to be coming uh, regardless of of the outside threat. But it's it's forced a little bit more communication, I'd say, or upfront you know. 
uh, Monahan getting in front of the players and, and saying a lot of these things, I think is a, is a really good step. No, and I, I think that's the right thing. And I, I remember earlier, I, I think it was last year, you know, I talked about growing the game and, you know, I, I didn't, I, I hadn't make, I hadn't made my full statement at that point. You know, I think this was in the Bahamas and, and this, you know, I, I get it. This and people, you know, I see all the complaints about growing the game, you know, growing the game for this and that, like they're two separate things. Right. And like what the MLB doing now, like they're trying to make more money for the players, right? The players association. And like, that's the same thing as what, what we've seen with this. But at the same time, we still do want to open this game to more outlets, right? And I don't think we see that enough, but you're slowly starting to see hopefully more opportunities for people out there. And that's what we want to do, right? And that's that's the end goal is to just help more people play golf. Like that's, that's the enjoyment I get out at least sometimes when you see people that's like, now when I see like a little Asian American or an Asian kid come out and watch me play and like they say like I'm their favorite golfer, it, it means so much to me. And I never thought I'd have this impact. Like it, it's crazy. Like I've never thought I'd have this impact at 25. And it's, you know, it, it really humbles me and it puts me in a spot where I'm like, okay, like I need to go out and be the best person I can. You know, it's, yeah. Like I, I think the Saudi stuff has definitely helped us players make what we feel like we should be making when you know like i like i said i don't know the exact financials of everything and some guys do but that's what everyone's saying is that like you know yeah we deserve to make this much if the tour is making this much hmm. yeah i think it's it's interesting from where i'm sitting we've been we've been hit with grow the game so much and it almost always comes from a very corporate place of like somebody yeah. will say grow the game to you, but really they mean I want to make more money off of this game growing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. so that, yeah, that's hundred percent. And that's where, that's where I want to make that split. Right. And like when, when I, if I ever say grow the game and I know now, like when I do say grow the game, like I'm not going to tie money to it. Like I, I have from my perspective and what I've learned even over the past, let's call it five months, growing the game has nothing to do with the money we're making. If I make more money, I can, I can grow the game. I can go out and do what like, you know, Cameron champ was doing at Riviera, you know, in, in the hood and, and helping out, you know, lower income kids and growing the game that way with money that I've made, but that has nothing to do with money I'm making from finishing in the top 10 on a tournament. Like it, it's, it's separate things. Right. So yeah, I think that's where we need to separate it is that, you know, I, I, and I think that's what I'm learning from watching like this, you know, MLB stuff is that like none of them are saying, oh, we need to grow the game for the kids, like, or for the, for the young kids that want to come out and play in the MLB. Like they're just fighting for what they feel like they, they should earn. And I think that's what we're doing as well. And that's what we're seeing. And that's what we're comparing to the Saudi stuff is like guys that really understand the financials are saying, this is what we should fight for. And then we've seen improvements. Hundred um, percent. Well, this dog food's going off. That means I've kept you for an hour. So I'll get you. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll get you uh, out of here on, on this one. Which is, you know, again, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not. I have not been good at predicting this, but man, sawgrass seems like a great fit for you. Does it not? <laughs> What's funny is that people just, you know, they'll say, "Oh, this course fits you," and I'm like, "Okay, I, I don't know <laughs> what course fits me. Like, I, I don't, I don't know." You can't overpower but... it. Like, it's premium on iron okay, play. Yeah. It, yep. it, okay. <laughs> let's go to the stats guys let's go to the stats guys <laughs> look i i love i love tvc sawgrass it's definitely one of my favorites you know every time i show up and it's it's got the best field out there the conditions are always amazing it's a course i feel like fits my shot shape i mean i've been i've been prepping the past couple of weeks to see you know 
what shots I need to hit out there. I've been practicing on the range, just kind of visualize certain holes. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, yeah, this course fits me or, or I know no. what you want to say is all the courses fit me. I know you want to, but you I'm know, not, you're, you're going to get smacked. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say that. Um, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a course I like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say that with any course. So Sweet. Um, you don't place your bet. I'll let everyone else do theirs okay. and uh, we're, we're good to go. Sounds good. Well, I'm looking forward to players week, man. It's going to be a great one. Looking forward to, uh, Seeing the best players in the world come to come to our doorstep here in Jack. So we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for spending an hour with us, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. We'll be checking in with you. Awesome, appreciate it being back on. You bet. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 